Hey, this is Scotty Dingus, pastor of West Logan Church. We are glad you're joining us for our podcast today. I hope you find what you need in today's message. It's part two of this series about becoming culture. And a lot of you coaches, I mean, you're big on culture and you're uh, athletes or that. And, and it's a lot of fun to talk about. But, you know, it's one thing to talk culture, but another thing to be culture. I think a lot of times that we can talk it, but you have to decide this is who we are. And once you sell that and you cast that vision, do you be everything you have said? And say, so we're going to live this. And, and, and that's, what, that's how you build culture. Everybody buys in, makes a decision, this is what we are going to be. And whether we see this or not in Scripture, Jesus walked around with a culture. And he came from heaven to earth, and everywhere he went, he brought heaven on earth. And we even see passages of Scripture where Jesus tells us, when the disciples said, how do we pray, Jesus? How do, how do we pray? And Jesus said, hey, you pray like this. And I'm not going to say the entire prayer, but he said, your kingdom come. In the beginning of it, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. In other words, God tells us to pray like this, that we should bring heaven to the earth. And so I asked the question to bring the reality of the scripture to you. I start asking these questions. If God's telling us to pray heaven on the earth, let me ask you this. Is there any lost people in heaven? No. Is there any sick people in heaven? No. No. Heaven's got an incredible culture, right? Because it's his presence, right? So his culture comes with heaven. People, is there, there's no sick people. There's no mental health issues. There's no depression or anxiety in heaven. So when we come to God, God wants us to pray, yes, his will be done, but he wants us to pray, God, as it is in heaven, let it be right here upon the earth. So that should be our prayer. And, and today, it's such a fitting uh, moment to uh, I did not know when God told me to do this series of when we do the back school blessing, we got guests coming in, and how am I going to do this? But God really let it fit in. But people ask in these uncertain times, we would all agree we're living in probably some of the most uncertain times, at least for the last decade, but the last two, three years have been something else. But people ask, why are all these issues happening in our world? And the enemy knows exactly what he's doing to keep us all in such division. I mean, think about this. He's went from uh, political unrest. He's went to racial unrest. And now you have this whole division over COVID and so many things. And people just attacking one, so much venom. So even the church world has bought into these things. And so many bad things being said. But the enemy is so incredibly smart. And the way he works things is to get us so divided that we just focus upon the culture of the world and not the culture of heaven. So today, I want to really challenge you to know that heaven has a culture for you. And that you're to bring heaven to earth, whether it's a locker room, a classroom, whether it's the medical field, wherever you're at, your business, whoever you're employed with, that you can bring heaven everywhere you go. Well, how do you say it? Well, if the presence of God lives in you, and the Bible lets us know that we are citizens of heaven, I showed them last week in the beginning of the series that we don't carry a dual citizenship. In fact, we're just pilgrims or or just journeying through this land, according to Scripture. That it's not our home. That as much as we can be satisfied with God, and God does all these incredible things in our life, there's always this sense of unsettling within the body of Christ because we're created for heaven and we're created to be in relationship with God. And when we're not in that mode of thinking or even spiritually living, and then we have a really deep unsettling, 
Because our home and total satisfaction only comes in the presence of God, only comes in discovering what our purpose is and what the kingdom of God has called us to be. So we have so many people today left in ruin and people buying into the culture of the world, and, and we hear so much, and people's like, well, is the church irrelevant? I believe that the enemy would have us to think that the church is irrelevant. And, and the enemy of our soul would have nothing more than exhaust the saints. And, and, and not only exhaust the saints, but to continue to keep the lost blind to see what the truth is and how we are supposed to live our life. So I want to go to a scripture today with you in Jeremiah 6.16. And it goes like this. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. And some of the scripture says old paths. This is from the English Standard Version. Where the good way is and walk in it and find rest for your souls. But they said we will not walk in it. Now... The moment we read that, a lot of people can misinterpret that ancient past, old past. I mean, he's really, this is an Old Testament scripture, but also we find out that this is sort of used as well in the New Testament in certain ways that is talking about just returning back to relationship with God. Jeremiah the prophet, he's a watchman or a prophet. He would hear for the people of God and God would speak to him and he would speak the word that God was saying. And they was living in a time of unrest when you study this out. The, the, the land, the nation was unrest. And, and Jeremiah's praying on behalf of the people of God. And God speaks to Jeremiah and says, listen, you need to tell the people to go back to their old paths and the ancient paths, and, and they will find rest for their souls. Now, I find that very interesting that he said rest for their souls. Now, if you're saved today, you are a spirit first. That's how the spirit of God speaks to you. You're a spirit first. You're made three parts. And you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and you live in a body. So when you're saved, you're not a soul first, you're not a body first, you're a spirit first because that's what God speaks to, and your spirit is to lead your life, that's the reason why we have a spirit-led life, your spirit joined with the Holy Spirit, but your soul, your mind, will, and emotions needs rest many times, that we're exhausted, we're mentally drained, we're living in a time where people really have had enough. I mean, just so much going on in our life. It's like people's just like, man, I just don't want to hear it no more. If you're like me, I turned off the news a long time ago. I said, I don't even want to hear it. People come and talk to me. I'm like, I'll tell you what you need to do. Let, let me go ahead and say, turn off all the negative attention to the news. Just, just get your attention on the positive things in life and the word of God, and, and things will begin to change in your life. But these people wanted rest, but God said it's in the old past. They needed rest in their mind, their will, their emotions were just completely just drained, and they had unrest in the nation just like we have in our nation today. Now, we still live in a world, and I know that we can have fun in this world, but a lot of people have not bought into the fact that you can still have enjoyment and fulfillment through the life of the church. See, the life of the church is supposed to be just a big old community. When you studied out in the Greek and you begin to break down the New Testament, we are to be a community. And that's the reason why we do our groups the way we do. We want people to have fun, but also live the life that God's called us to live. Then another portion of Scripture comes to mind in Genesis 26. And you probably recall Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. When Abraham had passed, Isaac went on. He was doing his life, and he became a very wealthy man. In Genesis 26, you see exactly how blessed he is. God was with him. But there was unrest in that time. So what does he do? He feels led of God to go back to the wells that his father Abraham had dug. He went to the old past, to the old wells. He went there and he discovered these wells are now filled up. The Philistines, who represents the devil, and, and, and the enemy of our soul, filled up these wells with all kinds of things. And they had filled it up. So 
as it goes. And he tries to redig the well. And as he does, the Philistines come and begins to give him some resistance. You better believe your life is like a well, your spirit. And everything you let in your spirit that's not of God will begin to block the flow of the Holy Spirit of your life and fulfillment in relationship with God. So what he began to do is dig the wells, but then the Philistines came back, and there was like an argument going on. But Isaac said, I'm not giving up. This is my father Abraham's wells, and we got a lot of plenty of drinking water out of these, so I'm coming back. That represents spiritually to us. Sometimes we got to go back to the wells where we know that God really moved in our life. There's times even as a pastor, I'm like, okay, God, I've let so much get on my agenda. There's some things i got to cut out because I'm focusing in too many places that I can't give you the, the proper attention. See, the kingdom of God simple. You can hinge everything almost on this, okay? Seek ye first the kingdom of God, Matthew 6, and his way of living or his right way of living. And he said, you don't even have to worry about tomorrow that he'll give you everything that you need and you can rest in that. See, what we're looking for in this world and all of our searching and how hungry and starved that we are for certain things is that we're filling our lives with so many things, but God's saying what you're looking for is in the old path and the ancient wells. They're in the places that you know. It's simple. The, the thing is, we make it too complex, and the way God puts it looks just too simple for us to bite on it. So today, we're, you're looking for rest. That does not fall from the sky into your lap. It, it, it comes just a moment of you seeking God, becoming honest, say, God, I just want to get things right with me and you. And Isaac had all this wealth, and, and, and we can have emotional winds in the earth. You know, there's nothing more fun than me watching your kid uh, or anybody else's kid, or even you as an adult win at something in life. I mean, I love it when someone knocks down the last second shot, or someone hits a home run, or someone pitches a good game. Those are incredible moments, and we get emotional highs from them, and they're great, and it feels good. But when those things are not happening, we're finding ourselves drained and wore out, and we're like, why is there so much weight on my line? And the reason why there's weight is God's saying, you're trying to make it too hard, but I'm here the whole time telling you, I've not left, I've not moved, I'm still here to give you rest to relationship. See, Isaac had to return to the old path to his father. I believe that there are wells of revival in us. I believe there's wells of provision and calling and anointings in our life. That all of us have unique anointings that God would have for us, but we just need to go back to the well and begin to pull out those things. You like me, I can be used. Listen, God's called everybody to serve in the kingdom. He's called everybody to be part of what I call winning the harvest. Now, I want to revisit just a moment from last week because we're talking about culture and becoming culture and being the culture. Now, we're fighting off the culture of the world every day. You hear these terms like pop culture. You hear the terms counterculture. You hear the terms cancel culture. You hear all this. You hear of the woke generation culture. I mean, we hear of all these different things, and as Christians, we don't even need to identify with it. Why? Because we're not of that culture. That when you're in Christ, you're of the culture of the kingdom. That everywhere you go, the Spirit of God's living in you, and you're bringing the kingdom everywhere you go. So we don't, yeah, go ahead. But so much emphasis is placed on these terms, and well, I'm not part of that, I'm part of this. But at the end of the day, we're not, we're not cancel culture, we're not 
uh, generation woke. We're not all these different types of countercultures and pop culture and, and, and all these cool looking things because every one of it leaves us wanting, still starving, still drained emotionally. And God's saying, listen, I know all that looks enticing. And I know this looks very, very simple and easy. If you'll just go to the simplicity of the gospel, that I'm not mad at you. God's saying today, I'm not mad at you. He said, I poured all my wrath upon the cross of Christ. I'm not angry at you. I'm not disappointed at you. You've not let me down. A few weeks ago, a person said, I feel like I let God down. I'm like, listen, you're not big enough to let God down. I mean, that rubs some people the wrong way. You don't understand. They're really disappointing God over there. And people literally preach that junk. No, God poured out his wrath, his disappointment, all that up on Jesus on the cross, all the sin. He, God's not surprised that sinners sin. He don't go up and say, man, that's a head scratch. I can't believe they did that. No, why do you think he sent Jesus? He's not surprised that there's a sin issue in the world. That there's so many different cultures that's countering against the kingdom, but we've got to turn that around and get a mindset of the kingdom and allow the kingdom of God's culture through us begin to cancel and counter the other cultures of this world. Listen, the Bible says one could put a thousand to flight, two ten thousand. I like to continue to do the math, three hundred thousand. You keep going it, four million. I mean, it doesn't take much to change a culture. Especially when God's living on the inside of you. There's something about it that shifts everything in the room. But how about this kingdom culture and being the culture? Uh, I, I told, this is just a personal story. Me and Kristen, when we came here, we knew we just come to an awesome church, incredible church. And we was like, man, this place is like an ancient well, old wells. And, and I said, you know, it's not that you've got to do something new. Because there's methods may change, the message doesn't, but there's some places that God just puts wells. And that may be at your church, too. I'm not saying we're the only church with an ancient old well. But it's pretty funny, but two young men that has held revivals around the area before, one of them walked in, has never preached here, he walked in, he said, Pastor, this guy's really spiritual, all right? And he walks in, he's like 20-some years old, and he says, this is like an old well. And he's over in the gym. I went, well, this is the new part. I can take you over to the old part. And he went, no, I'm talking about over this house, the anointing. I said, it is. It's an old well. I agree. I said, the Lord spoke that to me. I said, but about four years ago, another young man, a few years older than you, spoke the same thing. But you know, your family has wells. You have a heritage. Maybe you're the first person to ever serve God in your family. Maybe you're started a well. But you pass that heritage down to your kids of the well. See, when you have kingdom culture in your home, your kids grow up knowing the culture of the kingdom. There's no, there's no more important culture to show your kids. And don't get me wrong, sports shows us all the right things. I'm an advocate of sports and travel sports. I love it because these kids are learning to push and grind through life with so many things. It's incredible, that culture that's built there. But then you take that as people, and a lot of, the, of our travel teams are full of godly people that pray and pour into our kids and then they're doing those spiritual things, but also there's those natural aspects. They come together, and you put them both together, and it's lifelong lessons that when you're 35 years old and times get tough and you're married and you've got two kids, listen, you can push through things because you've had those moments. You've watched as coaches push through with their culture. you watch your family with that culture push through, and now you know God's with you and all that learning you put together with the anointing, and now you are pushing through. But Jesus said something about that was just so unique that we pass up so many times about culture. And I'm talking about becoming the culture. 
Jesus said, it's not the harvest that we need to be praying for. Don't get me wrong, we pray for the lost that they come to God, that they feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit, because no one can come to Christ unless they are drawn by the Spirit. So when you're lost or you're not where you need to be with God and you need to rededicate your life or you've never asked Jesus in your heart, you feel the Spirit of God just dealing with you. And, and, and he's drawing you to come to know him in relationship because he loves you. He sent his son to die for you. It's not because he's mad at you. He's not drawing you to him because he's ticked. He's drawing you to him because he loves you that much. Amen. An everlasting love. But here's Jesus praying one day. He's saying, hey, guys, when y'all pray, y'all don't need to be just praying for the harvest. You need to be praying for the laborers. He said, the harvest is ready. The problem is we don't have laborers. Everybody is called to serve in the kingdom of God. God's not just called you to be the harvest, but God's called you to be a laborer. Everybody can use what they have, whether it's a ball field, whether it's in the church. Everybody can use their gifts and talents for the kingdom of God. It can be your business. But to be concerned for the loss, according to Jesus, is to be a laborer for the kingdom as well. See, here's what culture is today. This is the definition, this, and I don't want to go into explaining how it came here, but culture is who we are through our beliefs, customs, capabilities, and habits. But kingdom culture is this. Now listen to this. is believing God to be our rest and leaving it out through our faith, customs, capabilities, and habits through the local church. That's what God has called us to do. See, Jesus taught his disciples. He said, listen, you guys are to pray my kingdom come upon the earth everywhere that you go. I said, I read about all the old ministers and uh, like the D.L. Moody's. And D.L. Moody's one of my favorite ones. And, but when he'd walk into a barbershop one day, everybody in there began to weep. Like, Why are we crying? D.L. Moody stood up and said, because every one of y'all are lost. And God's presence is in here right now. He walked in with the kingdom, didn't say a word, and people wanted to repent and give their life to God and did not know, not even a message been preached. You can carry such a presence in God where you go. People say, I want that. Amen. So you don't see people all, that, people's trying all the different things that the culture offers and finding that none of it's really life-changing. But when you walk in with the kingdom, Amen. people go, there's something about that that I need. There's joy there that I need. There's grace there I need. There's love there that I need. There's encouragement there that I need. I believe that God has called us to be that type of culture. And I believe we, we, we've become the people that God's called us to by just working out the Great Commission. I believe that God's called every church. And it's not this church, but he's called every church and every individual to be part of the Great Commission, which is the greatest commission in Mark 16 that Jesus gave unto the disciples and it's also for the church. And it basically it sums up in these next few things I'm going to give you. But I believe this is what God's called me to. And here it goes. God's called us to have lost people saved, saved people pastored, pastor people trained, and trained people mobilized. How do we do that? We do it through the Great Commission. Well, first of all, you're here today. Uh, I believe that most people come to know God, whether there's someone that's influenced them in our life or they attend the church somewhere on a Sunday morning. So we come to a place, how do we make the Great Commission? I believe we need to know God, every one of us. But not only that, but we need to find freedom. How do we find freedom? You find freedom. The old church would use language like this, and I still, like, I still use it, that, that we should be sanctified. That after we get saved, do you realize when you get saved, God doesn't uh, expect you to be perfect the day you get saved? I was talking to a young man this morning after the 9 o'clock service, and I was wanting to uh, just speak to him. I said, listen, man, I know you're just now starting out. I know that there's some concerning things in your life. I said, God knows there's going to be failure. God knows that everything's not going to be perfect in your life, but this is the thing. You give God your very best, 
If you'll give it, you'll continue to get better at this thing. And that's how we grow in God. And sanctification is just not an instant work. The day you get saved. I wish the day I got saved, someone told me I wasn't going to be completely sanctified. Because I'll go ahead and tell you, after I got saved a couple months later, I was excited. A wrong word came out of my mouth. I'm not happy about it. I said it in front of all the right people. Yeah, whatever. And I had to say, forgive me for what I just said. I prayed in front of them, done all that. I felt so bad. But you know, God was not surprised by it. But the thing is, God knows that I owned it. I went on. And thank God that I had changed over time through the work of the Spirit. So we think the moment we get saved, I've got to be perfect. You know, God knows that we're not perfect. Knows that we're going to have off days. But God wants us to continue. It's just the same thing we're continuing. Are you going to get a home run every time you get up? Are you going to uh, hit every tackle that gets in front of you? Are you going to make every block? I mean, we can compare that. There's sometimes there's things missed. Coach says it's okay because most times he knows you're trying. He knows you're working hard. And every now and then those things just happen even to the best athletes. And God sees the same thing. He's like, listen, I'm not surprised that's happened. It's okay. Pick it up. Keep going. But sanctification, we find that freedom when we just get around the people of God and it becomes a culture in our life to live out the life God's called us to. But God wants you to discover your purpose. In other words, there is, there is gifts. There's talents in you. Even at our church here, we have kids that's 11, 12, 13 years old serving in our media team. We got them going on up into high school, middle school kids just serving. Why? Because they got gifts and talents that can be used. Everybody needs a purpose in the kingdom. And then lastly is the mobilize. That's actually making the difference and being the kingdom everywhere you go. Making a difference is simply be the culture of the kingdom. That knowing in your mind that, and also in your spirit, that everywhere you go, you bring the kingdom with you. So you, yeah, go ahead. Give me praise. You bring the kingdom with you. So as a church and everyone as individuals, we've got to go back and sometimes dig up the well. Get the things out that needs to be out. What is it that's keeping the Spirit of God flowing through your life? What is it that just needs to be moved? And a lot of times we make it more complex than what it really is. It's a very simple thing. God's not surprised at where you're at in life. But God is simply, he's not ticked, he's not mad, he's saying, come. Come. Because he loves you. Numbers 3 and 17. And this is where we begin to evaluate our life. I want to use this scripture because even in the Old Testament, we can look at how we should be as Christians. It's just a short, short scripture. But in the Old Testament, you had what you call the tabernacle. And the tabernacle... They would move it from place to place, wherever God led them. So it was like a movable tent. They had like church on the move, church on the go, everywhere they went. And when God said, listen, we're going this way, they had to pack up the tent. Well, it was a lot of work. There's a lot to this. And the stuff was heavy, and they had made it out of like the, the, the heaviest material and the most uh, wealthiest material. I mean, it was just, it was priceless, the stuff they had in the tabernacle. They would move that. But you had the sons of Levi who would do that, who was Gershon, Kohath, and Murrah, okay? You had the Murrahites who worked under Murrah were appointed to take care of the framework of the tabernacle, which was the foundation. We all need a good foundation, every one of us. And the next was the Gershonites. They took the structure, what everyone sees. This is being the culture. People see the culture. They see the culture of a team. They see the culture of a family. They see the culture that an individual walks in, and the kingdom can be seen. When someone walks in, you're like, that's a good woman, that's a good man, that's a good young man, a good young lady. Because they are the culture of the kingdom. 
And then the Kohites took the ark, which was the spirit of God. So they had a foundation. They had what everyone, the structure of what everybody sees. And then they had the influence with the ark of God, which was the spirit of God working. So we got to ask ourselves as churches, as businessmen, professionals in our job, what do people see when they see me? I, I pray they see the culture of the kingdom. I pray I have a good foundation. And I pray that the Spirit of God continues to work through me. So how do we do this? I'll give you these four things really short. I told you I wouldn't preach long. What we need as a church to be kingdom culture is to focus more on worship. We need renewed focus on worship. Worship is not just come to church on Sunday. It's where we miss it. Worship is what you do during the week. It's truth. It's how you live your life. It's hard to get in spirit if you're, the truth in you is not right. What I mean, you got to get out the impurities. you got to say, well, if you do mess, I say, God, forgive me. Go on. Move past it. But also, it's hard to worship and get in spirit if there's things not right in you. So when you do come to God, it's so easy to connect in spirit that when they're through us, I refer to, we had the words up, and we can sing those words, not just look at them, but sing them from our heart, and next thing you know, God begins to show up in the room. To be culture, we've got to ask, is Jesus lifted up in my life? That's worship. Everywhere I go, is Jesus being lifted? The next one is this, is renewed focus on the Word of God. See, Satan questioned God's Word in the beginning. He even questioned what God had sent Jesus to do when we open up the New Testament. Our culture and society is always questioning God's Word and even tries to twist it. Weekly and sometimes daily, I get people to ask me questions. I'm seeing people in the church live this, preach this, do this. And it's such a culture thing beginning to filter into the church. The church is no longer looking like the kingdom culture, but it's looking like the culture of the world. And I'm talking about in their daily living and in what they believe the Word says. Here's your quote. Timothy Keller said this, If your God never disagrees with you, you might be worshiping an idolized version of yourself. If you're serving God and there's never a moment that God says, Stop, wait there, wait, wait, wait. Because that's called conviction. That's not a bad thing. It's not condemnation. It's between condemnation, feeling bad, guilty, and shame, which God doesn't give. The devil brings that on our life, but we bring it on ourselves. But conviction is when you're getting ready to go into something, the Spirit of God is like, no, 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 not there, not there. There's times that we need the Spirit of God to be moving in our life that if we're getting ready to hit a place of impurity that the Spirit of God just touches. Nope, not going to say that. Not going to do that. Not going to act upon it. What we need as a church is a culture of the kingdom more focused also on prayer. Renewed focus on prayer. Everybody's got a wrong idea of prayer. What would I pray? I hear people pray 5, 10, 15 minutes. I don't know what to pray past a minute. Sometimes prayer is not saying anything, but it's just taking time with the presence of God and sitting there. Let the presence of God touch your heart. And through that, God begins to speak to you. We do, we, we've been there just 21 days of prayer and fasting. We've been doing the 10 a.m. prayer on Saturday mornings. People come in. We don't have a lot. I mean, we've had like up to 20 to it. And it's been a lot of fun. But we, we join like this other church in the Highlands, Alabama. We put it up and we just follow what they're doing. And it's live. So we do worship with them for about 10 minutes. So we get on and get about six, seven minute devotion. And then 25 minutes, they go to prayer, and then they come back. So it's like 25 minutes. I tell our folks, sometimes it's okay just to sit there and sow because we are so drained emotionally. God wants to touch our spirit, which then begins to renew our mind because we have spent time in the spirit. And then the last one is this. 
is a renewed focus on the Holy Spirit. What do you mean? I believe we need spirit-led lives. This was such an important thing for Jesus after he trained the disciples through a life group, a small group, for three and a half years, traveling around with them, a Sunday school class. He's just pouring into them. And after three and a half years, Jesus said, listen, I've got to go away. It's better that I go away because if I go away, you're going to do greater works. But he said, listen, I'm leaving you right now. And he said, but I want you to go to Jerusalem. You're not going to be able to do this thing to the church. You're not going to be able to be empowered and know until you wait on the Spirit of God. The church and people as individuals, we need the evidence of the Spirit of God working through our lives. We need it. We need it. He changes everything. We need Him. He needs to lead our life. He needs to guide our life. He needs to be in every place that we go. And if you're not supposed to be there, you'll feel the conviction say, don't go. But we need signs and wonders and the power of God in our life. Matthew 9.35 with this scripture. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Jesus brought the culture of the kingdom with him. And everywhere he went, diseases were healed. Afflictions were completely taken care of. The kingdom brings rest to the soul. The kingdom brings physical healing. But the kingdom also, when you be the culture of the kingdom, it begins to touch everybody else's life. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to reach out to us, please contact us through social media or at westloganchurch.com.